Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Very special edition. I, I started thinking about the idea of jurisprudence, mostly because I have jury duty. If you're listening to this on Monday, I am sitting in jury duty right now. I don't think this will affect the podcast the rest of the week because I don't think there's an attorney on this planet who's going to allow me to decide their client's fate. They're going like, to ask me two questions be like, this idiot cannot possibly serve on this jury. So my guess is I will be home at some point on Monday, not sequestered. But Ari sent me a message over the weekend. He said, I have a great idea for the podcast. Usually that means it's a terrible idea. But mm-hmm. this time I agreed with him. He said, you need to, to get Antonio Morales on. Antonio covers USC for us here at The Athletic. Antonio will listen to Ari say these ridiculous things on the podcast and just text him straight up. No, 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 absolutely not. This is this is terrible. So Ari said, I need you to referee. We're going to argue this out and I'll be the arbiter and decide who is correct in these arguments. So uh, that led me. I, I think we've I think we've got a new show. So uh, here, here's the theme. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. Ari Wasserman has said something on this podcast that has caused one of his co-workers to call him a dumbass. Rather than meet in Temecula and settle it with their fists, the two parties have agreed to dismiss their claims and have their disputes settled here in our forum, Judge Andy's Court. You guys have no idea who Doug Llewellyn is, right? <coughs> Judge Wapner, Rusty the Bailiff, none of these people ringing a bell. All right, Antonio, you have a list of grievances from Ari over the last few months. Uh, let's 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 just start with just how how enraged on a scale of one to ten do some of Ari's takes make you? Oh, some worse than others. I think <laughs> I think the Texas OU one's pretty bad. I think the, oh, we're getting uh, to that. One of the quarterback rankings one kind of got me fired up the other oh, yeah. day. Um, and uh, those are two. I, I could see. I, I just think Ari, I just think he falls in love with the potential a little mm-hmm. too early. And, yes. You know, he just falls really quickly for these brand names and the potential of what something could be versus the reality of what it actually is. So kind of, you know, have to, oh. have to settle him down a little bit. There's some football programs in Austin and College Station, Texas that, that kind of fit this bill. I, I, yes, I, I see where we're going with this. I so fall in I love have, too quickly. I have the list, and we, were, we are going to get started. But we're going to start with one near and dear to you, the program you cover. Ari and I have a bet. I think we know where I'm going to fall on this. Uh, the, the judge may be a little compromised in this situation. But, but Ari and I have a bet, and... It is 
Ari says USC is going to make this, the college football playoff in the next three years. I say probably not that that Oregon and Utah may be too much to overcome in the Pac-12. And this is one that, that you texted him and like, uh, you may want to slow your roll on that. So Antonio, whose job is to cover the team. I know more about Ari, USC, though. Where is Ari too, too fast on this one? <laughs> he, he, he was texting me this take before he even went to the air with a thousand dollar thousand dollar bet USC even in the text he might have been like two years and I was like I was like all right let's calm down a little there it takes a while to build an offensive line you see a 13 scholarship offensive lineman right now they only have four scholarship tackles and one of the one of their positions is guard so like and they're just really thin up front on the offensive line and even if they would have gotten Josh Connerly on Friday it, it takes like two or three years to build a really good offensive line to where you need it at elite levels. And, and, and Utah's where... been building one for 15 years, and Oregon's been building one for the last four. Yeah. Oregon has the better ingredients for offensive line success right now than USC does. And sure, the transfer portal will help, but there's not going to be Evan Neals or whoever in the transfer portal. You're going to get guys who were good at their previous spots, but you know there's, gonna, there's a reason why they're in the portal. So... I just think it's going to be hard for USC to kind of, you know, do what you need to do up front within three years. I, I, I still think Lincoln Riley could take them to a comfortable playoff in year four or five or whatever, but I think within three years, it's just really tough with the deficiencies they have on both sides of the line of scrimmage. But Ari's just Mr. Recruiting Rankings, and he falls in love with the five stars and the skill guys. So the skill guys. Well, I mean, well, let, me, let, me, let me start well, off well, by before, saying. Before we let, let's, let's, let's set the table with this uh, – because Antonio mentioned Josh Connerly. Josh Connerly is a mm-hmm. five-star tackle. If you listen to us on Stars Matter on Thursday, we were talking about him, and he was about to announce his decision. Uh, the thought was he was going to go to USC. He did not. He chose Oregon, which, by the way, already has an advantage in terms of offensive line talent. Ari, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, that's what scared the hell out of me. Like, I mean, let's be honest. All these takes came flying out uh, before that happened, and... You know, I know that uh, Oregon has been a very good recruiting uh, outfit for many years, and Mario Cristobal signed, I think, maybe one of the best non-USC recruiting classes at Oregon in the history of the Pac-12 uh, two years ago. But my understanding and my expectation from Lincoln Riley is that these are the types of recruitments that USC is going to win and, and win continually. So I, I know that there is some thought behind how or why that could have happened. Um, I'm personally offended and disappointed that it didn't go to USC because I need these types of recruitments to go my way, you know, uh, (laughs) if I'm going to not have to write you a check, but my general thought process is is twofold. One, it's, uh, a general lack of respect for the entire conference as a whole. And I, and I know that the, uh, I think, I think you should respect Oregon's roster and I think you should respect what Utah has done along the line of scrimmage. Yes, yes, and and I understand that those are very good teams, and um, it's not like I think USC is going to go undefeated against these guys continually starting next year 100% of the time, but if Oregon and, and USC are the, the pinnacle of what you have to overcome from a you know a one-game season standpoint to win your conference and make the, the, the playoff, then I would anticipate that USC will be well-equipped enough from a, a talent standpoint within the next three years in order to win that game, um, especially considering the fact that if you go back and look at the way that USC has competed uh, with those two teams last year with the dysfunction that's been going on within that program, 
they've already come close to doing that. So, you know, how many recruiting classes does it take to become the power of the Pac-12? Um, you know, last year's si- – how many did they sign? Like nine kids last year and a bunch of transfers. So, like, that right. doesn't even really count. Um, but still, half of their class was top 100 players that signed after Lincoln Riley took the job. And my anticipation was that if USC were to sign a top three class in 2022 um, – excuse me, 2023 – that they would have the foundational, uh, you know, benchmark that they would need to take over that weak conference in order to make the playoff. Because all they have to do is be a one-loss Pac-12 champion in most years to make it. So I'm not sitting here saying that I think that USC is going to be Alabama in the next two years, or that they're going to win a national championship in the next three years. My expectation is that USC will recruit at an elite enough level um, to get over that hump and make the playoff through a crappy conference within the next three years, which I don't think is that unreasonable. Okay, so, I, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. Judge Wapner didn't have to listen to everybody prattle on. You're like Judge you know, Judy, where you're going to tell the the uh, one of the guy uh, defendants to shut up, and then just uh, like no, you're going to. Co- that's what you, you just did. Up. Only if you act up. I just I, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. You know, no, this is I I I, I Judge Wapner's my guy. Judge Judy, Judge Joe Brown, they're fine, you know, fine arbiters, but Judge Wapner kept his courtroom on lock. And so I'm going to control the proceedings here. I'm going to rule in favor of Antonio. I need a gavel. My, 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 my remote control will be my gavel. I have, I have ruled in but favor I, of Antonio. I, I just need to, I think we need to have like a... a um secondary discussion because i've got a feeling that there's going to be a theme here of where, which way that he rules uh throughout this entire episode and i've been mentally preparing myself for it for the last three days since i texted him but antonio we were t- texting a little bit about that and I'm, I'm very curious your your thought process of you know oregon's got a very good recruiting staff and uh they are a very sexy place to go to school and they've you know hired somebody who has recruited at the highest level possible and has a very tough staff uh when it comes to recruiting in California and along the West coast, who do you perceive is the king of West coast recruiting right now from a program standpoint? I think it would be Lincoln, but I think Oregon's still going to score enough wins that it's going to be a pain in USC's ass. The recruiting some like Adrian Clem, Tosh Lupoy, Dan Landing. They all know how to play the game. They all know how to recruit. So, uh, guys think about the talent that was on us uh, on UCLA's team. When Adrian Klim was their lead recruiter, they, they were getting dudes back then in the in the Jim Mora days. So now you, you add Tosh Lapoy, who was a, a, a great Pac-12 recruiter at Cal and at Washington, and then obviously did well at Alabama recruiting. I, I really think Oregon has has built a staff. It, it's kind of an SEC recruiting staff. S- so I guess maybe there, there might be an interesting story there of just like why Adrian Clem, the person who grew up in California, is going to be the biggest thorn in USC side for the next three years. Because it's just like even when I will really start to panic is if there are five-star prospects in Southern California who are going to Oregon. So like losing out on a five-star offensive tackle who's from Seattle is concerning. Right. And, and the reasons why that happened, I guess, are, are up to speculation. And, you know, you just got to go find a message board or a Twitter thread to figure out what we're alluding uh, in, to. NIL, uh, yeah. USC. Actually, Antonio, let me ask you this. Because uh, from, from what we understand that USC, the, they don't really have a, an organized collective right now. They're not. It's not like Tennessee. Uh, Oregon seems to have something going. Texas A&M definitely has something going. Florida has one. 
Nebraska just announced, you know, what they're doing with theirs. Where's USC at on that? From what I told, theirs was in the works. And I, I want to be surprised if something is announced at the end of this, by the end of this month. Uh, okay. But the timing of that, obviously, with Carly, uh, yeah, yeah, isn't that great. Um, but what I was told, there's something in the works and there's a possibility it'll be announced by, you know, the end of April. Okay. That, that makes more sense. Does it, cause that's, they got to get that going or they get left behind. Cause Oregon, you look at who they have, Rob Bowen's their athletic director. He came through Kentucky. You know, that's, that's where he trained under Mitch Barnhart. So you, you've got a bunch of people who have been in the league that recruits at the highest level in Kentucky. Uh, not when, when Mullins was there was not recruiting at the highest level in football, but they were always recruiting at the highest level in basketball. So he understands how this stuff works. I think that's going to be a problem. I, I think, I think Utah will continue to be a problem. Not, not because they're going to get five stars necessarily, but because they're just really good at developing guys on the line of scrimmage. And, and those are, that means they're going to be a tough out no matter, no matter what. So it, it's going to be, Tougher sledding for USC with the big guys, I think, than than maybe everybody realized when when Lincoln got there, and that's that's why I'm ruling in favor of Antonio. Go ahead, Ari. Let's not forget that USC just signed a bunch of studs two years ago or a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like, are any of those guys going to show up, Antonio? Like, is 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 Corey Foreman going to be uh, the well? There, there's the, a big guy, the that's, Nick that's Bosa yep. uh, of the West. I mean, it's just like everybody's like, well, what's going to happen from now? Uh, you know, on and it's like I think people are forgetting that Clay Helton actually had a very functional recruiting class two years ago, especially in the co- he signed the number one corner, the number one defensive back, and another and the number one athlete in in the state of California two years ago. And they're all, I guess, haven't really had a thumbprint on the program. But it's like these guys are people who I'm counting on, and I put my money on. Like, what what are we doing here? Like, is is Foreman going to start wrecking wrecking backfields or what, man? I mean, like, come on. They had a, a 22 member class in 2021 and six of those guys are already gone michael trigg jackson dart jay toya those are three blue chip top 150 guys who are already gone from that class and well i mean one of them's gone for a reason though yeah and we haven't seen a lot from Corey foreman uh, rajon davis sierra Wright, uh dante williams uh we asked him about sierra Wright this week it was the top 100 corner and um he he went he went on to talk about Ray, uh, Sierra's weight and putting mass on and stuff like that. And then he went on to say Sierra's biggest problem is Sierra. He's like he has a lot of stuff going on, but he might be in Space Jam three for all I know because he was in Space Jam two. Um, so like there there he's more concerned about acting than football is what Antonio's saying. I, I, so, I got it. Yeah, I just was singing so, the Quad City DJ song. The Welcome to the Space Jam. So it's just like all I right. can't even imagine a world where if they sign another. If, like, his, like, listen, they've got three commitments off the top of my head unless they got one that I haven't looked up and they're all five-star prospects and there's like another eight uncommitted top 100 players in Southern California. Like, it's right there. It's just low-hanging fruit. Pick them up. Uh, pick them off the tree. Add them to the class. Corey Foreman's going to develop. C.R. Wright's going to... He's not going to get the Space Jam 3 gig. Uh, he's going to put some weight on and things are going to start coming together, right? He's like gonna, He's going to be LeBron's third son. USC's got a pretty good Space quarterback, I think. Who's going to be playing for two more years? Hopefully, like you know, by year two of the uh, of the Williams uh, era, we're not going to the playoff. Like you're going to look me in the eyes right now and be like, "You like, like, come on, like it's all there." <laughs> yeah, uh, 
Like, I mean, okay. I'm convinced of it. I I bet a thousand dollars. Like, I'm I'm convinced that like you are underselling your program. And how are you going to sell subs he's if people think you hate your team? He's not. He's not a fan. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm teasing him. You better, you better call Dan Lanning. That's, well, the good news, right Antonio, is, is that your beat got more interesting. But yeah, yeah, stop it. Stop it, Dan. Just stop it. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, this is another one that Antonio heard Ari talking about and was like, oh, we, we, we got we to hash this out. That Brian Kelly will underwhelm at LSU. I didn't know. Ari's not said that Brian Kelly would, would be bad there, but just that he would not necessarily live up to the very high standards that, that LSU sets for football. So, so Brian Kelly has like a 730 win percentage across three different FBS schools. He's won 11, 12 games at Cincinnati. He won. Hey, let's not forget Grand Valley State. Yeah, yeah. And then he won 10 games, 10 plus games, six of the past seven years in Notre Dame. So, so you're putting a guy who's won everywhere he's been in a job who's won with anybody. So <laughs> what, what's, what's the debate? Like, how is he not going to win there? I love how Antonio just slices right down the middle of your. It's like, it's like he has a samurai sword and he is just. I, I think I think he'll win down there. the middle. I think I guess if we want to elegantly put it for the show, oh, no, so that there that, is a that was elegant just now. No, but like well, I'm going to elegantly say my point without <laughs> personally attacking my opponent. Uh, that uh, um, I believe that uh, he's not going to win a national title there, which doesn't mean that he's not going to win or that he's going to he's going to have terrible teams or it's going to look like it did last year like I don't think that. I do wonder if uh he is going to fit in culturally um at LSU. I wonder how likable of a human being he is or how willing he is to adapt. Does Nick Saban entire... strike you as a particularly likable human being all yes, the time? Yes, I like yes. Did he strike you as one when he coached LSU? Um I don't know. It's just in a different way. I can't. He was remember. a harder edge Nick Saban back then. This is the cuddly Nick Saban now. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Maybe I'll be wrong on this. I don't feel particularly passionate about this one. Um, I I think you're very wrong about USC, but I I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> I, I I'm with Antonio on this, this one because I, it's the same. It's for the same reason. Just he he was at a place where it's harder to win, and he took them to the playoff twice. He took them to the BCS national title game once. And now he's at a place where it's easier to get players and and have an elite deep roster. And so, because I know a lot of people have said, especially since he left Notre Dame, well, recruiting was not his his strong suit. 
okay, but they yeah, still that's got the, some that's my really good players thing. there. And I know they've hired some assistants. They've hired some assistants that um, you know, have deep ties in Louisiana, but like it's no joke down there. And I think he you know, if his number one criticism as a head coach has been that he's not 100% bought into the recruiting part of the job, that I don't think that it's just being in Louisiana is going to be the thing that that carries him through. Um, and you're going to be battling against Alabama. You're going to be battling against Florida and, and all the other teams, Georgia, that come into that state. And, you know, not only do you have to recruit Louisiana well to win a national championship, but you also have to go in and make some national wins. And I just don't know, unless he has a, a complete renaissance of what, of what he has prioritized as a coach in the so past. The, co- the recruiting the entire country, which he did at Notre Dame, and bringing in players who were then But he developed. did it at a lower level. And I know that part of it is probably because Notre Dame because has academic you can't, standards. You don't have as big of a pool to pull from because they got to get into Notre Dame and they got to stay at Notre Dame. Yeah, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, I, I just, it just doesn't seem to be the best fit on the surface to me. Like something doesn't Ed feel Orgeron like it's fitting. was the greatest fit at LSU in the history of the world. He had a drain installed on the patio of the coach's office so that you could dump the crawfish pot out. There will never be a better fit at LSU than Ed Orgeron and they fired him. You fit. If he you also win. like helped assemble <laughs> the greatest team potentially, or one of the five greatest teams in the history of college football. There. And then they fired him. Yes, I know. I know. I know. So, and it's and it's a much easier job. Play. I just yeah. like I thought that the accent thing was corny. The dancing. I, I I just like I don't know. It just seems like well, there's yeah, something of off there. It is Brian Kelly's not a, not built to dance. Just like I'm not built to dance. Now you're built and to dance. You got to lean into your accent. I mean, listen, if you're from Boston. Talk about parking your car next to the bar. Like, don't, Would you don't do try that? to sound like anybody from Louisiana. Like, I, I grew up talking like this, and it got beaten out of me by, by, by the kids when we moved to Florida, but you get me around enough people, you put me in South Carolina or Georgia or Alabama for a week, and it comes right back. So Yeah, so you're ruling with Antonio again. I am. Hold on. Let me get my gavel. Yes, Antonio wins again. 2-0. Come next on, I, one. I, I, um, go ahead, Antonio. What's your next one? <laughs> uh, I think the next one was probably QB rankings. Yes, that is what that is the one I want to get into because I even after Stetson Bennett this year, which should have broken Ari's brain, he still cannot get over like why is it Brock Vandegrift starting at Georgia? Uh, you know, we, we talk about the Texas A&M Valley. He automatically defaults to Connor Wegman. Even though Max Johnson, also a very highly recruited guy who has won games in the SEC. So I don't know. I, it's just, it amazes me that, that he automatically defaults to the highest rated quarterback recruit when the history of five star quarterback recruiting tells us that that's kind of a 50 50 proposition. Yeah, I think it's mostly a, a Quinn Ewers thing right now where. Yeah, I think that one of the highest-rated recruits of all time is going to be good. I'm, I'm such an idiot. Or, but I don't think it was that. I think you texted me the, the other day, and you were like, "Is there like, do you think there's no correlation between your quarterback ranking and, and how good you are?" And I told you, like, I've because if you say that, then you're the stars don't matter person. So no. like, you can't be both. But with quarterback rankings, like I've covered Shea Patterson, who was supposed to be like the program savior at Ole Miss and that didn't happen. I've covered JT Daniels. who was supposed to be like a program savior 
at USC, and that didn't happen. Two very big exceptions. Look, it's, it's, it's different because when they bust, they really bust. Okay. And because it's just hard to project how good you'll be at the next level. I, so I, I have a story. If you're, if you're listening to this on Monday, you can go on The Athletic and read my story about uh, Nico Iamalea. I had he it. He practiced this. I, he told me how to. Nico himself told me how to pronounce Ia it. Iamalea. Malayava. I've got yeah. it now. Nico Iamaliava. So Iamaliava. It, it was it was really interesting because I watched him play in a seven on seven tournament and he th- he throws a beautiful ball. He's got a really strong arm. You know, you, you look at him and and people seem to gravitate to him. So he's got a little intangible qualities that you want. But then I go to the Tennessee scrimmage right after that. And, you know, Hinton Hooker does his thing with the with the starting offense. Then they bring in Joe Milton. And and I had been warned by by somebody who recruited Joe Milton and didn't, didn't get him years ago. He will look like the best quarterback you've ever seen in your life when you see him throw up close. And we were standing right behind the offense. And Joe Milton uncorks some passes that are, are literally take your breath away. Like, you look at him and you go, how is this person not going to be the number one pick in the draft? He's not even the starter on his team because there's so much more to being a, success, a successful quarterback. Hinden Hooker is better at running that offense against an actual defense. Like it's just that's what it is. Well, what's the and take so, though? What's the take that we're ruling? Like, what, what are we saying that I think? It's, it, it's that in with yes, being a five star, being highly rated is is good, and I'm not saying that recruiting rankings don't matter, but I'm saying with the quarterback position particularly. Being a five star doesn't guarantee anything. It yeah. could go really badly. Oh, I don't think it's a guarantee. That's like, not, I don't think I ever said like that. It, with a five star corner or a five star D tackle, like even if it goes badly, they're probably going to play. They're probably going to be around for four years. They may start for one or two years. Like that's that's different. If it goes badly at quarterback, you just don't get to play, and you go somewhere else. So. Or, or you play and you're missing something that you couldn't have possibly been able to diagnose when you're trying to project the guy from high school to college. I mean, yeah. you just go down the list of, of five-star quarterbacks from since 2017. And I do think that like the last four years have been, there's been a level to the proficiency of the more recent players because of all the things that they go through now that they didn't go through. And you've got a front row seat to this, Antonio. You're the one who wrote the story for the Athletic of how much money and how much time is being sunk into personal quarterback coaching. And I don't know, maybe you are an expert on this more than I am. But like, did Shea Patterson go through everything that these guys are going through? It's like I know it's it wasn't that long ago, but like a six year period in, in college football recruiting is a long time. And if you like go through the list and, and look at the guys who are, you know, highly rated, you know, prospects, you know, Davis Mills, Tua Tengavailoa, Jake Fromm. Kellen Mond, Sam Ellinger, like that's from 2017. Like, do I even have to start in 2018? Both were first round draft picks. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. You know, it's just like, it's not like I think that if you get a five star quarterback, that you are automatically going to win a national championship. But like, if you have eyes, you know that Quinn Ewers is going to be a good football player. And like, telling me that you covered Shea Patterson. And he didn't. A lot turn of people out with well, eyes thought Tate Martell was going to be a good football player. Now he, he wasn't a, a like a consensus five star. I think he was a high four star, but he, he didn't wind up doing anything. I don't think it's. I just like I take it. I find it odd that you think it's it's weird that I think that Texas is in a much better position with him on their roster. 
Like it's, it's like me like saying I need air. No, I don't. I don't are, think like, that's are, weird. I just I just don't think it's not. Actually, it's not the Texas Quinn Ewers thing. It's the defaulting to Connor Wegman with A and M thing that that gets me. When Haynes King was the guy that Jimbo Fisher handpicked to be the starter last year, and Max Johnson is the guy who won at Florida as a true freshman. Uh, you know, beat Texas A and M playing for LSU last year, like. He, he's had his moments. Just to he, be clear, though, I feel way less passionate about Wegman starting at AM this year than I do. If yours okay. doesn't start at Texas this year, I'm going to drive my car yeah. off the highway. Uh, but like AM, <laughs> well, and, they've got some guys on their squad. Like, and and I know Hudson the Cards thing. there. But yeah, I've said the same thing about Clemson. Like, you know, if, if DJ's not getting it done, maybe you try Club Nick, you know, they, and they've done that before. They did that with Kelly Bryant and, and Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, it, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. But no, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I, I also understand, and my philosophy is you just keep signing them and one of them is going to work. Also, Quinn Ewers isn't just a five-star prospect. He's the number one overall player in the country. Okay. Like, I mean, it's like, it's not like all five-star prospects too are created equally. So that's true. Like, I don't even know what the premise is for you to rule on this, but like, I don't know what I, I I'm confused. I, I think my Quinn Ewers, what, what you annoy me most with Quinn Ewers is he hasn't played football since like 2020. And you already told me like how great he is when we saw him like hand off the ball like three times last year. And yeah, okay. What are we basing like how great he is uh, like right now? What are we like basing? very thorough evaluation of his skill set from thousands of people who watch him play? Okay. But like DJ was supposed to be great too. And then JT Butler. Daniels was off the Do you want to go down the list right now of five star quarterbacks and see how many more hits and misses there were? Okay. Like, do we want sure. to do that? I'm looking, like, at, I'm looking at 2018. So Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, big hits. JT three Daniels. of the top eight players in 2018 are, are either first-round draft picks or going to be a first-round draft pick. Three Dorian out of the Thompson eight. Robinson. Very good college quarterback. Okay, Justin Roberts. Or, I'm sorry, Justin Rogers. Fair. Okay. Tanner McKee could be a very good college quarterback. Stanford's very happy with him. They like him. Uh, Matt Corral turned out to be a very good college quarterback. Uh, Jaron Williams at, at Miami, not so much. Well, he's uh, not Phil a five star. Yeah, Phil Phil Jacobic, good college quarterback. We're at the, that's the top ten. Yeah, but we're so, looking. We're talking about five stars. There's only three, and two out of the three were top fifteen yeah. picks in the NFL. Okay. Well, and, and I have I, the five stars right here. Okay, All right. Twenty twenty, Bryce Young hit DJ. What are we in rank DJ right now? Uh, uh, maybe probably a miss. Job. Okay, so twenty nineteen, Spencer Rattler. Miss Bone Bo Nix. Yeah, I guess so. All right, so that's three out of four. Yeah. Right, 28. Uh, CJ, CJ Stroud was right on the line in 2020. Mm-hmm. He's a very high four star. I think he was number 42 in the, in the country. He's obviously a huge hit. So I mean, it, listen, it's, it's getting better as a, as a predictive science, but the problem with quarterbacks is, is what, there's so what much service were you just using, Antonio? Uh, 247 composite. I'm looking at the two, there's only two five star quarterbacks in 2020 in the composite rankings. Yeah, that's why he went down to, to 2019 because CJ Stroud. Oh, to 2019 is, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's just, it, we, we hear about these guys, we learn about them, I think, and, and it becomes, I, when one doesn't work out, I think the disappointment becomes more pronounced just because you know him. You probably don't know 
the five-star wide receiver or the five-star safety as much. So you don't feel it. Uh, this one, I'm going to rule it a tie. Ari's right. Stars matter. Antonio's right. Ari falls in love too quick with these guys. Yeah, I do fall in love too. But like, honestly, too, a lot of a large portion of my job is to project out, right? And that's all recruiting is. It's philosophy and explaining why kids went where and trying to read the tea leaves of where programs are headed. So, I mean, I don't think that taking that, like Quinn Ewers is the example we're using here, is that as a context clue that that things could be different there as a result of his existence. We'll be right back after these words. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Here's one that I think Ari has already relented on, but I I just want to let let Antonio have have his say and, and bash him a little bit on it. The OU Texas argument from a year ago when we were ranking the jobs of the Big 12, and Ari could not believe that I ranked Oklahoma ahead of Texas. We argued about this in person last July, like on the sideline at the Elite 11. We got into a heated discussion about it in person. Antonio, yeah. just back me up here, please. <laughs> just like I told Ari then, it's just they both had their relative peaks at the same time in the 2000s, and one program beat the other more and won more conference titles. Played, just kept and, winning, yes. <laughs> and played for the national title more than the other one did. So I, that that's where my my thinking goes uh, when telling Ari that OU's The ceiling. thing that internally bothers me about this debate, and again, I've kind of punted on, on, I mean, USC has replaced Texas as the number one team in my heart, but and oh, I don't think up there so. Too. I think we're going to get to that in a second. The thing that bothered me about the A&M, I mean, uh, the Oklahoma-Texas debate is that the only thing that can be talked about as proof of the, the counterpoint is generalities. Like, there's no, there's no physical evidence whatsoever as to why Oklahoma is a better job. You know, yeah, there just, is. there's no, you just say, David well, Boren, Joe Castiglione, and Bob Stoops ran the whole thing for 18 years together. That's why. I just, well, I just like would like love to have a concrete understanding of why, because like it's like when we do program rankings, then just take OU and Texas out of it. Like, what are the things that we rank? We rank, you know, geographical location, fan support, um, you know, I guess blue chip, uh, yeah. whether they're a blue chip program or not, all the things that we rank. And it's just like if you take all those things and 
remove the logos from the helmets from those debates, like Texas's list would probably be more would be more uh, robust. So, like when we whenever I've approached this discussion, and, and maybe I, you know, obviously I've I've punted on Texas on this podcast. They've made me look like an idiot for far well, too I'll, long. I'll, but the thing I don't I'll, understand I'll you, is so. And this is just from side from by side at, from talking to people at Texas, like historically or recent history the Texas coach has had to deal with more bureaucracy when he needs something than the Oklahoma coach has. If the Oklahoma coach needs something, they go to Joe Castiglione. Joe Castiglione goes, we're going to try to get you that. The The Texas coach, now, Chris Del Connie, since he came in, they're, they're much better about this than they were. But it used to be like, you need to fill out this form in triplicate and do and this, and then maybe we'll think about it. Like, it's not like that as much anymore, so maybe maybe that's going to improve some. But for a long time, that's what, Texas had to deal with and Oklahoma didn't. And that, I mean, that stuff matters. It that just, it just, it's up. just weird to me that you could list like Texas is the n- most recognizable logo in the most talent rich state in America. Um, and it's just like all the things that you would want if you were building a mythical program, like Texas has an advantage over OU. So like, I think it's weird that people laugh when you think that the place that has all the things that you would put because on your list. People have watched football for the last 15 years. That's why they I laugh. Know, we're arguing about future ceiling. We're not arguing about who was better in 1996. Like that has nothing to do with it. Yeah, but who was like, better has, in 2016 we're about does usually who have has something a higher to do with it. ceiling. If everything at both places worked out perfectly. But everything and, doesn't work out very often in Texas. But, but we're talking and about it out what does the word ceiling mean? What, like, <laughs> what are we talking about? What is this? What does the word ceiling mean? Which team can reach the best heights if everything Which works out? Which team actually gets near it every once in a while? That matters. Uh, oh, I guess, been I, good since like the forties. Like Texas yeah. is one. Like Texas has won. Like I guess you could make the case that you, you you would be right in making the case that Oklahoma probably has a more rich history. A football, you no, think? I mean, yeah, but I, <laughs> but again, so, that's never what I was arguing. That's never like in the modern world of recruiting, in the way that the sport is made up, Texas has more pros on its list than Oklahoma does. So when you were analyzing what a ceiling would be, I don't think it's irrational some to think pros that it's matter more than others, like wins all the time. That matters yeah. the most. Yeah, I mean, I guess like if that's the if that's how you want to judge it, then you're. I mean, you're. <laughs> yes, you're the I would one like to gavel. judge it by I mean, who I, wins more yeah. than, than loses. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just talking about Frequently. the future. I'm not talking about the past. So you know, <laughs> I I think that the future, like it, it's like the same oh thing too. Gosh. Just like, do you what's, want to invest the, in AT and T or do you want to invest in Amazon? What's the like, investment what, guidance? Sorry, past performance is not indicative of, of future gains. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you can go buy some General Electric stock if you want. Because it was sure. a really good company for a hundred years. Yeah, Oklahoma is buy... a good company. Yeah, I guess Oklahoma is like what Microsoft. Yeah, they just and keep chugging along. They find new product lines. They figure it out. Yeah, and, and Texas is Neo, the Asian Tesla. Actually, Oklahoma's Apple because it sucked in the nineties and then came roaring back. No, Alabama's Apple. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it would be a good episode can we if we that? compared Since football Apple programs. CEO is an Auburn grad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he'd want to hear that, but I guess he's got way uh, bigger fish to fry, like figuring out where he wants to park his yacht next week. But uh, I do a- think I do think that comparing like for an investing because I'm like obsessed with investing uh, when Antonio loses bets to me and all the things that he's right about, he pays me cash and then I take his cash and invest it in the stock market. <laughs> there you yeah, go. 
We had one Everybody bet. Who's who's zero and one in those bets? That's a zero percent winning percentage. So you can take Andy's gavel and you can sleep next to it tonight, and I'll take your cash and I'll put it in the stock market. I think I'm up like seventeen percent on the stock that I bought with your money. The gavel's a Roku remote, by the way, so it's not exactly. <laughs> but wouldn't that be a funny episode? I don't know if people would be interested in it, but like if you took every program and like compared them to a stock, I think that would be hilarious. I think that would be because like, that sounds because that's all that recruiting like a coverage deep is. Of the off season type podcast, like mid June. It's just it. like, but isn't that what recruiting is, guys? It's it's taking what you have in terms of potential and trying to figure out what team you would want to invest in. And like Oklahoma's already up, and maybe that's a dividend stock that is going to continue Who's to pay Uber? dividends. I don't know. There's a show about Uber that I want to watch. I know. Um, I, I've been watching it this weekend. Is it I, good? I'm about four episodes in. It's very good. Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the the founder of Uber. Uh, who's Theranos? Who's Theranos? <laughs> who is who is complete smoke and mirrors? Auburn. And what? No, Auburn, <laughs> no Auburn's one. Yeah. <laughs> Auburn's been good. No, you. Need I mean, someone, I guess uh, you need someone who who had like one great recruiting class, but never amounted to anything on the field. So which oh. era would that? Would, so which teams UCLA, that I'm obsessed with is would, that going to be? Would Jim Mora era UCLA be Theranos? Yeah, it'd be hilarious. That's a funny one. Ole Miss won a Sugar Bowl, so I don't know if you could like put them in yeah, there. Yeah, no, I I thought they they actually cashed in on it. I think. Um, also, yeah, their I, uh, their best player uh, had the most shocking thing in the history of human nature and the hu- human uh, sports consumption happen. I don't think we'll ever see anything more shocking on te- live television than the Laramie Tunsil draft. Like, I don't think that there was, was anything that you could see that would be more shocking than that in any realm. Truly wild. And we watched games last year, this year, where people have quit uh, at halftime and tweeted that they quit the team from the locker room. Like, and I, yeah. that was even less shocking than. Well, than that. What, what, what was the lesson of the Larry Tunsil deal? Always scrub your iPads, kids. <laughs> don't give your passwords. The to fact you. that they exactly. were airing that video on the draft. I'm like sitting in my living room thinking like, oh, well, my no, God. ESPN wouldn't air it for a while because they had to vet it. But then everybody else on the internet was already sharing it. I mean, it, I it was all I know is that they were showing the video in the pre-draft coverage. Absolutely, yeah. And and he dropped, and it cost him money, and then he wound up being shockingly a great offensive tackle in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, that, you um, know, the Dolphins yeah. fleeced the Texans for. So so I'm uh oh two and one against Antonio so far because you're obviously so far, ruling in, in, in We have one more topic to go. So I'm already is, lost, no matter what. Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. You all, you lost when you opened your mouth. You made, but, you made, you made up your mind before the podcast started. I'm, I'm going to appeal this. I mean, Antonio, court. Antonio has kind of taken the, the sides that I've already taken. So I think I know where I'm going to go with this, but yeah, I just, your sides mostly, are things have always been this way and nothing can ever change because I saw it happen in true. 2006. I've never said that. Was I not the, was I not the person who in 2015 said the Georgia job is the best job in the country. You put the right person at Georgia. It can be the death star. What is Georgia now? You're making me want to get back in on Texas. You know that, right? I know. I don't think you've ever left. But here's the thing. Georgia (laughs) was already operating at a very high level. I didn't leave Texas. I got distracted by A&M and USC. Well, let's let's get to A&M. So A&M is is the other one that Antonio has has hit up Ari and said, dude, you got to stop. And it's the same exact premise as what we were just talking about. It, oh, it they is, weren't very good five years ago, but they can't be good now. No, no, no. It's not that AM wasn't very good five years ago. AM is actually halfway decent five years ago. AM has never been able to get over the hump. This is where I think Ari might be right. I just don't know if he's going to be right this time because everything about AM 
But this is also true of the past 70 years. Everything about A&M says this program should figure out how to be great. Also, can we just before he goes into his whatever spiel that is wrong, um, I just want to say <laughs> predicting which teams are going to rise from the ashes and become national contenders is like the hardest thing to do in the entire industry. Right. Nobody so like, would have gotten Clemson. And, and, Nobody and every single person seven would have gotten Clemson. And every single topic is you both telling me I'm a moron for thinking a team that hasn't won a national championship recently has a chance to do it in the future. We're, we're basically acting as surrogates for the listeners. Ari. that's what we're doing here. All right, Antonio, tell me why Texas A&M can't be good after signing the greatest class in, in organized recruiting history. It just <laughs> put it like that. But uh, <laughs> how else would I put it? But man, it's like okay, they're going to need to beat Alabama and Georgia like twice. They're going to need to beat both of them within the same year. Like Jimbo's like four and three against the Mississippi schools right now, and you're just like, oh they're automatically going to be like competing for national titles within years because of this recruiting class. And like, why? Like, no, my premise is, is that they will be Alabama and Georgia if they do this three more times, because that's the way their rosters are made up. Will they be able to beat Alabama and Georgia in the same season? I don't know the answer to that. Like maybe not, but if they lose to Alabama or Georgia in close games in the future, then that's just an understandable result of a very highly contested football game. That's not what they paid Jimbo for though. Well, my entire my entire premise is that Texas A and M will be built like them, and thus they should be in a position to compete for a national championship. Whether or not they win one, I can't predict that. If I could, I'd be living in the uh, Death Row Records house in Las Vegas, and I'd be laying in the pool with my shirt off. Like this that's, is but like th- this is why I do lean a little toward Ari on this one. But but it's the same reason I say don't fall too hard in love with Texas or Texas A and M because and and th- it bothers Ari that we can't accurately explain or put our fingers on what has been the problem. But the fact of the matter is we can't, but stuff's happened and they've not been able to, to meet their potential. And so that's why I say don't fall in love so quickly because you just don't know. But the caveat too. And I think I said this when Billy Lucci was on the, on the show last week was that A&M just put together a, a recruiting class that, could bring a tear to my eye. I mean, it was recruiting perfection in every single way. That is not nearly enough to level the playing field with Alabama and Georgia. They've got to do that two or three more times. So until they do that, they're not there yet. So, you know, if, if A&M somehow goes out and signs the number 11 class in this year's cycle and they only get three top 100 players, then I would completely change my viewpoint on that. So I'm, I'm thinking right now, based on the information at hand and, and where they seem to be headed from a, a recruiting standpoint, that if they are able to do that for two or three more years and they have a roster that legitimately has 40 players on it that are in the top 100 in their recruiting rankings, that they will field a team inevitably that is good enough to beat those teams. Whether they beat those teams or not, I can't tell you the answer to that. Maybe they, if they lose to Alabama again, like what is this going to be some sort of shock? Like, of course not. I do think that they will be equipped well enough where if they make the playoff or win a national championship, that that should be expected out of them. I think that's a very logical take. I do. And the difference, I think, between how you were feeling about Texas before, where you were just saying, all the pieces are there. I don't know why it's not working, but it has to work because the pieces are there. Like, that doesn't make as much sense as what you just said. The pieces are there at AM and they have 
done the hard, probably the hardest thing that you have to do to get in that mix, which is which is bring in that recruiting class and bring in recruiting classes kind of like it that you know not at that level, but but they were already recruiting at a fairly high level. Also, like so, using like Mississippi schools record for Jimbo, like how is that even relevant? Like he's the only uh, other coach. He needs the, to be able to beat like Alabama. No, I know, but the guy won a national title. Does that not count? Like, is he not a good coach? Like Alabama. Well, Alabama lost to Ole Miss a couple times, but. Oh, no, certainly not in the SEC, but your buddies, Oklahoma and Texas, are headed there, too. We'll see how great they're winning in the next 15 years. Texas is your buddy, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going I to the same re- party, Antonio. <laughs> I am actually going to rule for Ari in this one. I am shocked because this is one that that I, I've taken Antonio's side on on this, but I think Ari explained it really well. And I realize that there are people sick of all the Texas A&M love on this podcast. I've tried to tamp it down. I've tried to to stop the love fest. But the fact of the matter is they did sign a really good recruiting class. I love recruiting classes that are loaded with with good defensive linemen. Because I think when you have seven top 100 ones, a couple of them are probably going to work out. So the, the numbers say it's going it's like it's to do same, well for you. It's so. the same thing. Like when did Georgia win their first recruiting uh, uh, crown? Was it the 2017 or 18 class? 18, was that their first the one? Fields class. Okay, so it took them three and a half years or four years for that to finally manifest. And I know they played well, in the was, national championship that was game. Third class. So yeah, but it, but the, for them to really break through and not and to go from signing really good classes to truly elite classes, it's not like something is going to happen overnight. Like I just think that they are in the the right track and buying stock in that program would be something that I would lovingly do right now. Do All we right, not have so a fourth? I'm, do we not have a fourth topic? No, we, we've we've hit all the topics. We, we've you don't have anything topics. else. Hold on, I'm going to gavel for you right okay, now. Okay, I just you, I want to try to get even on this. All right, Ari wins. Boom. Well, I mean, if you want to throw out another topic that you'd like to argue with Antonio about, you you are more than welcome to. Antonio, you don't have another one that I annoyed you about. You text me every week telling me I'm a moron. Like you don't, don't have. have I, I don't have uh, any. Uh, uh, how convenient. We've played the hits. Oh, I want to sure. ask you a question. Um, Andy, cause we were arguing about this today. Um, going back to the, uh, to the LSU Auburn, uh, discussion a little bit. Who do you think is the, I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it, but the coach that was, that turned out to be most over his head that won a national championship in the past 15 years. <sighs> hmm. Les miles or Ed Orgeron, right? Gene Chizik. Gene Chizik. It's Gene Chizik. Sorry. Okay. Uh, the, Antonio yeah. said Gene Chizik. Yeah. So he was Chizik. right again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To go Owen, because LSU had its moments in the last two years under Ed Orgeron. They certainly didn't quit on him. Gene Chizik went 0-8 in the SEC two years after winning the national title. Like, the national title, you could you could tie to basically two players. You know, Cam Newton on the offensive side of the ball, Nick Fairley on the defensive side. And, you know, you, you go and look at how many guys started in the NFL off that team. I think for the rest of the offense combined for one NFL start on that 2010 Auburn team. Now, Philip Lutzenkirchen would have started a bunch of games in the NFL. Unfortunately, he passed away. But but no other positions produced NFL starters. It's just, it's crazy. So, yeah, I, I think it would have to be Chizik because Orgeron did produced the greatest team of all time. Miles played for the national title again in 2011. That team, if you go back and look at that 2011 LSU team's resume, like it beat the Pac-10 champ. 
It beat the Big East champ. It beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Like, it's the best regular season resume anybody's ever put together. They just weren't that good offensively, and they gave Nick Saban another chance to figure him out, and he did. I'm so salty right now. I know. Good. I'm like, I'm like Save annoyed. Save that energy. I Keep can't wait. Energy. Do you know what I'm doing right now? I'm scrolling through my texts with Antonio trying to find another topic. I, I can't wait till the 2024 season opener in Vegas when I'm sitting next to Ari in the press box when USC plays LSU to open the season. It's going to be oh, I'm going to that game, and if I don't get and a credential through the athletic, Ryan I'm going Kelly as a fan. Ryan steals Tommy Trojan's sword afterward and leads the LSU band as they play neck. When it's year three for Lincoln Riley, year three for Brian Kelly, and, me, and this is the takes it's going to generate. Oh, that's gonna be, would you be that, absolutely stunned if USC won the Pac-12 this year? Like, would you be? Would it no. be like unbelievably crazy to you, Antonio? No, but I still think it's pretty, pretty far-fetched, kind of, just to see how they are on the line of scrimmage, particularly on the defensive line when they're starting a two hundred seventy pound, two hundred seventy-five pound. Like nose tackle right now. Um, so like, oh, well, get used to that. That is a uh, that is what Alex Grinch likes to do. So, the, they're going to be light on the D line. That's that's what historically they've been. That's why that's why Brett Venables got to Oklahoma and was like, "Do you weigh three hundred thirty pounds? Are you in the transfer portal? We have a place for you." Yeah, so I think that's going to be tough until they get better at linebacker. Um, and just so all their tough. recruiting hits from three years ago are just non factors then. Uh, for now, oh, they weren't recruiting well three years ago. So, wait, wait I mean, I, well, sorry, not three years ago, two years ago. So, like Corey Foreman and Ray John Davis are just like non-factors right We're now. Still, still waiting and waiting to see kind of what they can do. I think it's been I'm personally lot. offended by that. I'm just waiting for Space Jam three to come out. Personally, there's been but a lot of talk about maturity with those guys. So, um, the the new staff has kind of been very blunt with their criticisms with some of those recruits from the last clay class. So I think, you know, a lot of maturity being thrown around, a lot of growing up, like this guy needs growing up to do stuff like that. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Cause you, your, your take kind of hinges on those guys. All right. Yeah. One, one last thing I want to leave you guys with, and then you may or may not agree with me. I think USC has the best uniforms in college football. I don't think that's crazy at all. That's my, I, I that's my it's, take. It's, it's, it's Michigan or USC. I think George is up there, but USC's. I love USC's road uniform. Love it, the, and I love the peace sign. I'm a big shoulder yoke fan, and that 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 white with the with the cardinal yokes and the gold pants and the cardinal helmet. It, it is it is about as good as it gets. So you get a lot of, you get a lot of questions from from readers sometimes about. A third alternate, uh, but I don't, I don't think they no, need it. No, don't change a thing. I think they're fine. <laughs> don't change a thing. If Reggie Bush it wore it, it's fine. Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful. So on that note, we finally found something we all agree on. I'm going to put the gavel down one more time. If there's no show on Tuesday, it's because I've been sequestered. But I really don't think there's anything that high, high profile going on in Alachua County right now. So hopefully we'll hear from me. And hopefully, whoever, if you do get sequestered, uh, you show better judgment as a juror than you did on this podcast because there's somebody's future could be at stake. <laughs> you don't want me deciding your future. I think we've, we've established that. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.